Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And um, welcome for those that are visiting us. We hope and pray that the Lord will be gracious to all of us as we consider uh, His Word uh, together this morning. Allow me also to just express my gratitude and my thanks to uh, those of us that prayed with me as I sat and uh, looked to the Lord uh, for the ministry of uh, His Word. Again, let me also thank the elders for the opportunity to share from uh, God's Word uh, this morning. This morning, with the help of our God, uh, we'll be looking at uh, first, uh, Second Timothy and chapter 1. Second Timothy and chapter 1, <clears throat> our verse of uh, uh, consideration is verse number 15, um, but we do well to read the whole chapter because verse 15 is but uh, the apex, the height of uh, the rest of the chapter. In fact, the rest of the second uh, Timothy and um, <clears throat> the, second, the book of second Timothy basically speaks the same language. Um, and from time to time, we come across, you know, the height of the book. Um, you know, from time to time, we come across the height of the book, and the height of the book is expressed, particularly when the Apostle Paul uh, talks about the desertion <clears throat> that he was experiencing since deserting him, individuals that were precious to him deserting him. Uh, so the deserting of the saints are kind of the height of the um, uh, the, 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 the chapters uh, in the book of Timothy, uh, particularly in the book of Second Timothy. So can I ask us therefore to turn to Second Timothy and chapter 1, and we commence reading uh, from verse 1. <clears throat> For an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, Grace and mercy and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Louise and your mother uh, Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. And for this reason, I remind you to rekindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he will be able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. God, through the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And verse 15, which is the text we'll be looking at. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelius, Ophigi, and Homogeneous. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. Let's just look to the Lord in prayer, shall we? <clears throat> Holy Father, as we now pay attention to the proclamation of your word, our Father, we rest our faith on you. And we are praying that, Lord, you, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, bring this word life to all of us gathered here, from the preacher to the listener. Ultimately, that, Lord, your word will come in such a way that will be so beneficial to all of us, and that we shall be built up, and that you, our God, will be honored. Our Father, we pray for those among us who are not here for various reasons, have traveled out, or are not well. We do pray that wherever they are, you may reach out to them and undertake for them. Lord, some of us may be battling, maybe in our bodies, as we gather together, pain, and that could potentially be a hindrance to uh, listening uh, to your word. We pray that the Spirit himself will re-energize us and assist us, and ultimately that we together, Lord, will learn and benefit from your word. Uh, we ask that you do these things for us as we pray and ask in our Savior's name, the Lord Jesus. Amen. <coughs> As we read this verse 15 uh, uh, before us, um, and I'll just read it again so that we just refresh um, our minds. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Figilius. This name is very complicated for me. I'll keep uh, pronouncing it differently. You bear with me. Figilius, I will call him Figi. Um, allow me to call him Figi. I think uh, that will probably help my tongue. Figilius and homogeneous. And as we read this verse, uh, straight away, uh, three um, uh, things catch our attention from this verse. The three things that quite catch our attention quickly 
uh, that you know the apostle is saying to Timothy Timothy you are aware of the fact in other words Timothy you are acquainted you have experienced you have seen you are aware that's the first thing that uh, 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 scripture and, and, and the apostle Paul led by God the Holy Spirit says to Timothy you are aware so you are not ignorant you are well informed what is it that he is well informed about he is well informed that all the saints in Asia all who are in Asia turned away from the apostle Paul so Timothy is fully aware, he's fully informed. He has seen it by himself that all who were in Asia have uh, turned away from the Apostle Paul. But the third thing is, surprise, surprise, the mention of the two individuals, Fiki and Hamogenius. So Timothy is aware. He's aware that all in Asia have turned away from the Apostle Paul and he's also aware that Figi uh, and uh, Homogeneous have also uh, abandoned the Apostle uh, Paul. Now, it's interesting to see that these two names, these two names just pop up here, and they don't appear anywhere else in the scriptures. So when you search through the scriptures, you don't find the names of Figi and Homogeneous ever having to pop up anywhere else in the scriptures apart from here in our text. Are they important? Well, the fact that the scriptures do make mention of it means, therefore, that there must be something that we need to learn about uh, these two uh, individuals. There must be something uh, that we need to uh, pick out of their lives uh, because, I mean, why make reference uh, to them if they are not as important? Now, just to remind ourselves that what we've been doing in the course of this month is we've been looking at individuals in the scriptures who appear not to be constantly mentioned and we don't have much about them in the scriptures. They do not appear to play such a prominent role. And yet, even if they don't appear to play such a significant role, we cannot ignore them. Because no one in the scriptures, now listen to this one, no one mentioned in the scriptures is insignificant. Everyone mentioned in the scriptures is significant. But let me stretch that further and say this, that this must also help us to know that even in the local church, in the church of Christ, no one, let me repeat that, no one, not even a single person, is insignificant. We all of us are significant, and we all of us have a part to play in the body of Christ. If we are not playing ball, if we don't play ball, we don't play our role in a local church, we shall inevitably affect the affairs of the local church. No one of us is insignificant. And therefore, if we do not play ball, we definitely, whether we like it or not, we shall affect the affairs of the local church. 
And I think it's very important to bear that in mind. Now, um, come back to the verse that we are having to look at. And for our consideration this morning, I thought for the sake of uh, probably remembering our uh, engagement together, I have termed the sermon this morning, a walk through the park. A walk through the park with a sense of feeling deserted by the brethren. A walk through the park with a sense of feeling deserted by the brethren. Now, if, if you like, um, it, it, the, the book of Second Timothy, like I said much earlier on, seems to be carrying this sense of the subject. Second Timothy seems to be preoccupied with a sense of a walk through the park, feeling abandoned, feeling deserted by the saints. Second Timothy seems to be singing. That's the language that you find in Second Timothy. Now let me just take us quickly to Second uh, Timothy chapter four, and you see this coming out. And it comes out so strongly in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we read from verse 19. A sense of feeling deserted by the brethren. As you take a walk through the park, a sense of feeling deserted. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 uh, from verse 9. Make every effort to come to me soon. Why are you urging me to make effort to come to you soon, Paul? Because Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. And gone to Thessalonica, Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to, Dama to Damasia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with me. Yeah, bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the clock which I left at Troas with capers and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will pay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me, the apostle says. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles must hear. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and forever. Amen. A sense of walking through the path with a feeling of being deserted by the brethren. Now, Timothy was clearly aware of this fact of being deserted. No, not being deserted by a few. The scriptures is having to tell us that Paul was de deserted, deserted by all in Asia. We'll not get into the detail of whether that Asia was 
uh, a country, uh, whether it was an island, whether it was at a border, that is a story for another day. But extremely important is that Paul had been deserted. But not only was he deserted by all Asia, notably he also was deserted by these two people that we've already talked about. Now, why could the scripture talk about the two people? What is so important about these two people that we probably need to be conscious and aware of? I propose uh, two um, reasons why um, these two may have uh, been brought into the text. My first proposal is this, that these two could not have been ever thought in the life of the church. These two could have been some of those very good people, very consistent people in the local church, very faithful people in the local church. No one, not even a single one could have ever thought amongst those who would desert, these could desert. So there could have been those that are very faithful, like our brother Jimmy would say, they're faithful at Colossae. You know, you didn't expect that anything could happen. Look, there could be some people that could be suspicious of and say, but that one, when there is a problem, that one, I think, expect them to leave. But not those, these two people. So that's one of the reasons, and that's the reason why the Apostle Paul refers to them, Figi, of all people, homogeneous of all people, surely, deserted. So the reason why they have been mentioned is because I propose one is these two could have been those very stable uh, Christians in the local church and never ever expected that they would desert the Apostle Paul. Well, the scripture tells us, don't take it for granted. Even those that appear to be quite stable in the local church, they're faithful at Colossae. It's possible they could desert. Okay? So, uh, it's possible they could desert. So, they could be those that were never, ever, ever expected, but they deserted. But the second reason I propose is that these two may also have been leaders. They could have been leaders in the local church. People of influence, as it were. People that may have mentored many in the local church. And in our language today, we would have said, Ishimbi, Ishimbi in that local church, those leaders, that one, the faithful Riverside chapel, um, leaders. But these same leaders that were so faithful on this occasion deserted the Apostle Paul. And that's the reason why in the scriptures, the scripture can refer to them that among whom are figgy and homogeneous. These were faithful leaders in the local church. But, unfortunately, they also deserted. Well, what that is telling us is that it's possible that elders in the local church can also equally desert their local church. They can desert and go somewhere else, abandon the local church. We must just be aware that, you know, um, uh, whether someone is faithful or they could even be a leader, 
it's possible that they could desert um, the local church. Now, we are not told uh, clear then what could have happened to these two. Um, we are not told whether that desertion of theirs uh, meant completely, completely backsliding, I mean, they are completely have nothing to do with the things of God ever in their lives, we do not know. However, the Apostle Paul has a prayer for each one of them, including these two, together with the rest of those that deserted him. And this is the prayer that he gives um, uh, um, uh, um, um, in, 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 in uh, 2 Timothy and chapter 4. Uh, the Apostle does uh, pray for them. And he prays that nothing of whatever they have done must be held against them. So we hope and pray that whatever happened to these two, um, uh, you know, uh, their relationship with God ultimately was not robbed um, forever and forever. But again, it's important to just uh, mention this, um, you know, that their whole life and journey of deserting has got its own consequences. It has got consequences on the deserter, and it's also got consequences on the deserted. I hope we see the two people, two different groups of people there. The one who deserts the others, like in this case, Figi and Homogeneous, this whole aspect, the behavior, the conduct, um, uh, the, 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 this whole aspect of having to uh, desert the saints, has got an effect upon one who deserts and also has got an effect upon the one who has been deserted. And we need to be constantly uh, aware of that. Uh, and the one who has deserted, when you desert uh, the, the, the brethren, uh, you expose yourself. Uh, you expose yourself to all sorts of danger. No wonder the Apostle Paul must pray for them. He prays that their desertion must not, whatever reasons they deserted, must not be held against them. Because there's potential that by deserting, you could open yourself up to wounds that cannot heal your life at all. So by deserting the sense, you may be opening yourself to vouchers. You may be opening yourself to destruction. So, in other words, it's really not worth it. And as we progress, we'll see that. It's really not worth trying to desert the saints. Because you put yourself in the line of danger. So, the deserter exposes themselves uh, to danger. But even those who have been deserted also feel the effect of the deserter. Um, um, uh, 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 as, as well. And maybe let me ex ex explain this by way of an illustration. A number of years ago when I was at the uh, campus, uh, there was a stage at which the students decided that certain students needed to be deserted against. Interesting, eh? Uh, and, and what had happened to these students is that uh, it was felt uh, in our class uh, that uh, a certain lecturer was not performing very well. Uh, so you get into the class, and the students would have read ahead of the lecturer. And when, so when you meet in the class, you are challenging the lecturer, and the lecturer is getting kind of stuck and stranded. Uh, so the student said, no, 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 wait a moment. This lecturer is earning money that he's not working for. 
Therefore, he needs to be sent back for training. We don't need him to be a lecturer in school. And uh, so that case was presented before the um, uh, 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 vice chancellor then. I don't know why they called him vice chancellor at the time, but it was presented before the vice chancellor. Can you please remove this lecturer? Let him be retrained. And uh, so, but whilst the administration was uh, deciding, there were two or three students that were going behind the back of the other students, and then they'll be taught by this lecturer. And so the students discover that, mm -mm, you three, you are betraying us. We mean well. Why are you betraying us? So it was resolved through the union that the three students must be deserted. <laughs> what that meant is if they are coming, you meet them, you desert, you run away. If you are in, in the class, they come for other lessons, you all of you just leave. Just walk away and just leave them. If you are in the dining and they came, all of you just go. Look, you don't want to know what happened to these students. They became mental problems. Because they felt totally abandoned, deserted. A walk through the park with a sense of being um, abandoned, with a sense of being de deserted, they could not contain it. And all the three suffered mental stress. They had to pull out from school and postpone the academic year. They could not feel it. And if they were your friend, you also felt it. Because suddenly, that friendship with you and them has been cut off. A sense of having to feel deserted as you are taking a walk in the park can be disastrous both to the deserter as well as to the deserted. And at this point, we are saying that the Apostle Paul was having to feel the effect of being deserted. Being deserted by um, you know, the sense that he possibly must have shared things very closely with Fiki and homogeneous, having deserted Paul, Paul felt the weight of their desertion. But I want us to take a step further. I want us to take a step further and probably look at this whole decision from another angle. And the angle I want to look at it is to ask a question, why do the saints desert others? Why do the saints desert others and allow others to take a walk through the park feeling deserted? Why do the saints desert others, to allow others to walk alone. I've proposed quite a few uh, reasons that I picked up, again, from the scriptures. Because as you begin to read from this one, you get a sense that uh, this whole chapter is building up to come to verse 15. So each one of the verses from this one has something to tell us about verse 15. Um, so, uh, let me just uh, pick out a few um, uh, proposals here. Why do the saints desert others? 
and expose others to take a walk in the park with a sense of feeling deserted. Why do the saints do that? The first one that I picked up is from verse 3 and verse 5. Verse 3 and verse 5. And I read the, the verses, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers. And verse 5, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Why do the saints desert others? The first proposal I put to, it, uh, to ask this morning is this, that the saints do desert others when there is failure to remain treasuring and holding on firmly to that which has been passed on to us in our history. In other words, when we depart, when we depart from having to treasure when we depart from having to hold on the things that have been passed on to us in past history, it is possible that we could expose ourselves uh, to this um, temptation of having to desert others. Let me make it um, uh, a much, a much, much easier. Here at our local church, we subject ourselves to Maybe a doctrinal class. And in the doctrinal class, we are having to look at things that we treasure as a local church. And we pass on this information to each one of us. And there comes a time when you abandon that which has been passed on to you. That which you have learned for your faith. And the moment you abandon, the moment you do not treasure... The moment you forget, I am suggesting to us that those who desert others usually are people who have forgotten what they have been catechized in the local church. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul must talk about you know, the things that he holds on to, which were passed to him by his forefathers. Things that he has learned by his forefathers. And he says to Timothy, things that, you know, Timothy, you learned from your grandmother. You know, the things that grounded you are critical. And I would like to think that Figi and Homogeneous may have abandoned, they may have forgotten completely those things that were grounded, um, that in which they were grounded in um, uh, from history. The things that defined them, they had abandoned them. So if you come across a deserter, one of the things that the deserter has, one of the things that the deserter experiences is this, they have forgotten the things that they were taught or grounded uh, in, in the local church. So look for those that have abandoned us. If you interrogate them one by one, I'm sure one of these will pop up. The things they treasured with us, they no longer treasure those things. The things that we learned together are no longer part of what is on their curriculum, their spiritual curriculum. It's not there. And that's why they desert. 
But the second reason why people may desert, from verse 3 and verse 4, again, verse 3 is telling us, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, uh, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day, longing to see you, even as recall with tears, so that I may be filled with joy. What is um, the scripture telling us there? The scripture is telling us that those that uh, desert others are primarily those who do not pray for others. If you cease to pray for me, if you cease to remember our experiences together with fondness, be rest assured that you are on the path to abandon me. In other words, when did you ever bruise your knees for me? And if you are not praying for me, what makes you think that you still remain with me? You will abandon me because I'm not in your mind. I am not on your prayer list. I'm not your priority, as it were. Lack of engagement for each other on our knees, dear friends, I'm suggesting to us that that is a prospect that is potential for us to desert those for whom we don't pray. So if you haven't been praying for me, if I haven't been praying for you, be rest assured that I am on the route, I'm on the path of deserting. So if we see you desert us, most likely when we meet you and interrogate your mind, you will discover at the back of your mind, if you are truthful to yourself, you don't pray for us. That's why you are deserting us. How else would you desert us if you are praying for us? How else would you desert us if you are fond of those wonderful things that we've experienced together. Look at what the Apostle says to Timothy. Longing to see you even as I recall your tears. I recall your tears. You cried for me. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that Figi and homogeneous basically have abandoned praying for Paul. Figi and homogeneous possibly have also forgotten completely to remember the things that they treasure together. Friends, what I'm saying to us is this, that the moment we get into that arena, be rest assured that we are right to desert others. Let me move on uh, uh, quickly. What other things is it that cause, that would cause us to desert um, uh, others? Verse 5 and 6, uh, two things come out from there. Verse 5, for I am mindful of your sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you also. Verse 6, and for this reason I remind you to rekindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands. Two important things come out from here, which are potential for desertion. One having to hold on to our faith and having to rekindle the gift of God afresh in us. That can also cause us to desert the saints. In other words, if we are not having to put our faith to work, we are not working out our faith, as it were, within 
the confines of the local church, within the context of our local church, we are not having to exercise our faith and put our faith to work within the context of our local church, we can be potential deserters. Yes, if you do not steer your faith to work in the local church, we must be concerned about you. Ah, the Apostle James would say, you boast that you have faith and you boast that you have works. Well, he says, faith without works is dead. And what I'm suggesting to us, dear saints, is this, that if you claim that you have the faith in the Lord Jesus, and you are not having to put that faith of yours to work in the local church, be rest assured that you are on the list of a deserter. Sooner than later, we may lose you. If we can't see your faith being applied in your work in the local church context, be rest assured that you are on the route. You are on the way. You are a potential candidate for desertion. Dear friends, it's those that apply their faith and put their faith to work in the local church who remain faithful. Those who do otherwise are potential candidates for desertion. Well, the other thing that we see that would cause people to desert is failure to realize that ours is no spirit of timidity. In other words, we are not and must not be shaken or be frightened by the powers of darkness. We must not be frightened by any wind of doctrine. That's what comes out in verse, uh, verse 7. Verse 7 clearly tells us, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Uh, a few things that are key um, uh, uh, to watch out from there. Now, we must not be terrified, as it were, by the powers of darkness. And we must also not be terrified by those who paddle wrong doctrine. Now, hear me carefully here. If you are constantly being terrorized by the powers of darkness, then be rest assured that quite soon, sooner than later, you potentially may desert us. How? Because there will be people that will, tang will come tangling tangling this teaching to you. And it's very common now in the spiritual marketplace. It's very common. Um, you know, uh, they will come to you and say, look, um, you know, you need to be fortified. Uh, you, you need to be uh, helped. Um, uh, so we'll come to you and pray for you. We'll come and pray for you so that the powers of darkness have no effect upon you. We shall come and sprinkle the water in your office or in your home. You know, we know that in the workplace there's a lot of jealousy. You know, I've been quite shocked in the recent past, really, really shocked to the bone, uh, to come across people who said to me, look, um, uh, would you please help us look for some people that must come and pray in our offices and uh, pr probably come with the water and sprinkle it 
Because there's a lot of witchcraft in our offices. And I said, what? And they said, there's so much witchcraft, someone cannot enter the office. One office has remained locked for six months. Because there's so much witchcraft. We can't get into that office. If you get in, it's at your own risk. I'm not sure whether you heard about these things. If you haven't, thank God that you haven't. But it is a common feature now in workplaces that there is so much witchcraft it is said. And I'm not talking about just talking about market only. I'm talking about the university as well. Maybe if you ask the uh, brother Dr. Kambore to tell us, he probably will tell us the story. Even among us the lecturers, the police, the soldiers, mission, the list is endless. There is the talk of witchcraft, people are, I hope there's no one of us who is threatened here and frightened with witchcraft here. Well, if you are, come so that I can sprinkle water on you. <laughs> I'll be very glad to make some bugs on you. Sprinkle the water and, and say, give me some money. All right. But that can be so frightening to a point where you, are, you can't be a potential deserter because when you come across people who sell you the idea of fortifying against you, you fall for them. Ah, in today's language, you say icon, man. Icon. We must not, we don't belong to, we don't belong to that category. No. We do not have the spirit of timidity, the apostle is saying. No. Um, you know, but, but, but the other thing that he mentions also in verse, verse 7, apart from the fact that we are not frightened of, you know, the powers of darkness. We are not frightened of the funny, funny, funny doctrines that are flying around. We are not frightened of them. But the other thing that is key in verse 7 is that we keep our minds soberly. We have sober minds. Friends, what I'm saying to us is this, that the deserters do not have sober minds. Their minds are unstable. Their minds are unsound. And if you have a mind which is not sober or stable, I'm saying to us that you are a potential candidate for desertion. You may desert us. Look at those that have deserted us. Meet with them and interrogate them. If they are truthful with themselves, they will tell you and you will see clearly that their minds are not stable. Oh, friends, we do not belong to that category of uh, people. But what else do we see uh, which accompanies deserters, which Figi and homogeneous may have had? Clearly, Figi and homogeneous may have had unstable minds. Figi and homogeneous, um, you know, uh, may have had uh, 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 timid spirits, as it were. They were timid in spirits, and that's the reason why they desert. They desert the apostle Paul, you know, when pressure mounts. They cannot withstand but desert the Apostle Paul because their minds are unstable, because their spirit is timid. What else is it that we see in those that desert? Verse 14. Verse 14 brings out another very um, um, uh, uh, sober uh, thing. God, through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. 
Guard the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Meaning what? Guard the gift that God the Holy Spirit has given uh, to you. Because if you fail to guard, if you fail to guard that treasure that God the Holy Spirit has given to you, you can potentially desert us. Let me expand that a little bit and make it a little more friendly to us. Each one of us has been gifted very differently. Some of us have been gifted wonderfully. We can speak so well. Give them the platform. My! They would speak so you want to listen to them. God has wonderfully gifted us with the ability to speak. And the scriptures are saying, God, God that which God has given you. Why? Because if you do not guard, you potentially may be derailed by that gift and find yourself using that gift for something else. Eventually, you desert us and begin to exploit that gift elsewhere, where it ought not to be used. So if you've been given the gift of um, um, orator, for example, you're a good orator. The scripture is saying, God. But if you have also been given the gift of hospitality and kindness, which we find in verse 16, which was given to Onesphorus. Onesphorus had a wonderful gift, a gift of hospitality to the point where he goes to look for the Apostle Paul is in prison. He searches for him, the Bible tells us. He searches until he finds him. And when he finds him, he ministers to him. Now, there are those of us who are wonderfully given with that gift. You meet them, man, you say to yourself, why did not I meet this fellow before? They make you feel at home. You just relax and open up yourself to them. And the Bible is saying, God, God that gift. Because when you have been gifted in that way, it's possible that you can have access to people's lives. Because people are easily interacting with you, therefore they open up to you and give you their lives. Guard that gift because you come across potential and you know, very special information, specially given to you. And it's possible that you could begin to abuse that gift. You get that information from these people that you have wonderfully interacted with, who have opened up their lives to you, you get that information and begin to use it with other people. For who that information is not intended. And the apostle is saying, God, God. And not only the gift of maybe speech or the gift of hospitality, we all of us may be gifted in different ways, including some of us may be entertainers, or maybe a gift of music, or maybe just a gift of whatever the gift may be which God has gifted to you, the Bible is saying, God. Because if you do not guard, it's possible that you could use that gift to desert us and begin to use that gift elsewhere uh, where it is not uh, meant to be used. But now, allow me to come to the biggest one. The biggest one which I don't know what to say about this one. This one is beyond human retrieval. This one is the. the this one is, I'm calling it the. 
for this this reason if it is in your bosom you will be a deserter it will be difficult for us to reach out for you let us get to the scriptures and find this reason in verse uh, 8 this one is the most terrifying and i'm saying to us uh, uh, friends and colleagues brothers and sisters whatever must ever happen in your life this one in one song one sister sang a few years ago she said this one is my mwene i hope we are together it's the this one will cause you to desert from us beyond retrieval verse 8 therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our savior the lord jesus christ or of me his prisoner but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Friends, the moment you reach a point where you are ashamed of the gospel, you surely will be a deserter from the Christians. I hope I'm communicating. Am I communicating? Am I communicating sense? The moment you reach a point where you must be ashamed of the gospel, you know that you are now in ultimate danger of deserting. When you are ashamed of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the telltale sign of deserting. When you are no longer proud of being a Christian, you are no longer proud to be called a Christian. When someone calls you a Christian, you shrink. Your body moves. If you are found in town, instead of, you, instead of calling you by name, I say, hey, Christian, Patrick. And, and brother Patrick, I find you in town. and Hey, Christian, Patrick. And you begin to look around. Um, um, you become too nervous. Why are you calling me? I mean, like in those days, uh, when you are called a certain party, um, you know, uh, in town, and you came, um, and I mean, we knew what was happening, yeah? You found the boys in green, and, uh, you know, immediately then you find someone in red, and you say, hey, you, you, PND! <laughs> you could imagine that individual, what he would want to do. Probably want to run away, because he now feels his life is insecure. I mean, that's a kind of expression. If I find you anywhere else and I called you Christian and you seem to be feeling ashamed of the title of a Christian, that I am saying to us, it's a telltale sign that you desert. You desert the sense. And I want to propose that this walk in the park with a sense of feeling deserted, the Apostle Paul, came about because Figi and Homogeneous never ever took pride in the Lord Jesus Christ. They deserted him. They had nothing to do with Christ. Friends, the moment the love for Christ disappears out of your mind, you are on your way to deserting. But further than that, the moment your love for the other saints disappears out of your mind, Friends, I'm suggesting to us that at that point we are in danger, we are totally in danger to sliding 
to desertion. Surely to be ashamed of Christ, to be ashamed of Christ will certainly lead someone to deserting. There's no two ways about it. It's not a debatable issue. This is a killer punch, dear friends. We dare not, we dare not entertain the thought of having to do away with our Savior, the Lord uh, Jesus uh, Christ. Dear friends, let, let, let me give us this example. Um, uh, not too long ago, um, I came across a young man, and as we were uh, engaging with one another, he then offloaded this expression to me. As if to mean that insofar as he was concerned, Christ was just one of those things. You must not have seen my reaction to the young man. Uh, I don't know whether I regret, but I do not regret. I was, and I became extremely brutal on him. Because I said to him, that is anathema. You none believe I have nothing to do with you. I was so rough, I said to him, you know what? You must never ever step your foot to my house. You are a danger to yourself. You are a danger to me. You are a deserter. Get out of my life. I have nothing to do with you. I was furious. When at that point I could see this young man who I thought could have been a believer, and suddenly their, their joy for Christ is not there. Their joy for the saints is not there. Priorities have completely changed, and I said to him, get out of my life. I have nothing to do with you. You evil man, I said. One brother approached me later on and said, look, this young man came and cried. Could it be true? I said, yes, that's what I said. Maybe I said even worse things than that. He may even have been better in the way he's expressing it to you. In other words, I was furious. You can't, dear friends, you can't desert the Lord Jesus Christ and hope that we, shall, we must impress you. Uh -uh. At that point, we must injure your spiritual sense. Hopefully, that will speak to you and bring you to your senses. Um, you know, like the scripture would say, um, you know, uh, blah, blah, uh, just a little bit, hopefully, would speak to your conscience and bring you, uh, you know, to your mind. Uh, dear friends, what I'm saying is this is the, this is the main reason why people would desert us. When their love for Christ has completely disappeared out of their mind, they are no longer interested in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are no longer interested in us. At that point, they will desert. They will desert uh, from us. This is exactly how the Apostle Paul was feeling. Deserted by those that he felt, those that he thought were believers. Those, those that he thought loved the Lord Jesus Christ with their heart, with their mind, with their soul. Turned against the Lord. And it must have been hurting. Worse still, it was like a spear being sent into his heart because he is not in the environment with us. He is locked up in prison, in the prison cell. And whilst he is confined in that prison cell, he then receives this stabbing news to him. Now, 
look, when you are in the prison cell, you feel deserted. One of the things that probably helps you from time to time, you have some relatives, some friends visiting you to relieve you of your pain. But you are locked up there and to make things worse, those that you thought would maybe once in a while visit you, you hear they have turned away from you. Worse still, they have nothing to do with what has caused you to be in prison. In this case, you are in prison because of the gospel. They have nothing to do with the gospel. What, 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 what other pain can we describe? But say, a walk through the park, feeling deserted by the saints, is the most painful walk any one of us must be exposed to. As I wrap up, let me say this, friends, that we must never ever entertain the thought of deserting others. We must never ever entertain the thought of deserting others so that we allow others to walk through the park with that sense of feeling deserted. No, as much as it depends upon us, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, we ought to be at peace with all men. And never must we be the ones to desert others. You know, one of the other things that is difficult to find in the Church of Christ is to find mediators that will help us try when you are deserting us to try and bring you back to us. You know, mediators are very difficult to come by. And the Lord Jesus Christ calls him the peacemakers who shall be called the sons of God are difficult to come by. And when you desert, you may be exposing yourself to a point where it will be difficult to find someone to bring you back. So it's not a game that we must try and attempt to do. That's what I'm saying to us. Because we expose our life. It's not worth having to try that game. It's a very unbearable pain to those that we desert. And also very unbearable pain to those of us who are deserting. And I'm saying to us, Figgy and Homogeneous played a game which was too dangerous for them. Uh, but let me end by saying, dear friends, the things that will keep us together. And our brother Kenneth Botta reminded, uh, reminded us of this last week. The thing which keeps us together is this cord which unites us to one another. What cord is it that a cord of belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ? The thread which passes through each one of us, as it were, coming from Christ and passes through each one of us and uniting us together. And I'm saying to us, we must guard that thread. We must remain in love with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what happens, we must treasure him so that we may not be ashamed of the other saints, but no, we may be like Onesiphorus as it were, who rather than being preoccupied with himself was being preoccupied with the love for Christ and the love for refreshing the saints. That became his hobby. To hunt and to look out for the believers. To search until he finds the believers and see if he can refresh them. 
such individuals, such saints, who are preoccupied with looking out for others, seeking to be of service to others, not only to be saved, 